Welcome, listeners, to the Veterinary Today podcast produced by the Illinois State Veterinary Association, or the ISVMA. Veterinary Today has been created for veterinary professionals. It's also informative for anyone interested in veterinary medicine and practice. Its goal is to share the latest trends and developments from individuals making news in the veterinary profession. If you're a returning listener or just joining us for the first time, this podcast shares information that allows veterinary professionals to better serve clients and their pets and livestock, manage their practice, and establish a more informed, knowledgeable, and engaged clinic staff. I'm Joey McLaughlin, your podcast moderator. And joining us today, as usual, is Veterinary Today podcast host, Dr. Joanne Carlson, owner and operator of Loving Care Animal Clinic in Palatine, president of the ISVMA's board of directors. Dr. Carlson, hello. Hello, Joey. Glad to be here with you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think we do a great job of lining up important information that helps us veterinarians in Illinois to be informed and prepared, whether they're practicing in a small rural practice, a large animal practice, mid, we really try and, and cover the gamut. Dr. Carlson, from what I understand today, our discussion is about something vitally important regarding protocols that veterinary operations embrace at, at all levels, right, uh, and wherever they practice. Exactly, Joey. We're addressing the importance of having antimicrobial stewardship practices in veterinary clinics and hospitals and the health challenges we face as veterinarians that are associated with operating a veterinary medical facility. We're talking this podcast with Dr. Alexandria Gokenauer, clinical staff pharmacist at the University of Illinois Teaching Hospital in Urbana. Doctor is going to help us understand exactly what antimicrobial stewardship is, which is quite the big concept uh, for many of us. And once we know why it's important to have such protocols in place, how a clinic or hospital can establish these procedures in their hospital. Welcome to Veterinary Today, Doctor. Glad to have you with us. Thank you guys very much for having me. I'm very excited to be here on the podcast. So, you know, first things first, um, you know, we, we want everyone to really understand veterinarians and CVTs, you know, what, why it's important to follow an antimicrobial protocol in their hospital. But there's always a danger in our becoming lax in following a proper procedure or cutting corners. I know, uh, you know, I've got three kiddos and oftentimes when somebody's sick, I'll say, you know, call the doctor, let's get an, you know, some sort of antibiotic. But, you know, obviously I realize that's not ideal and we have to follow protocols so we don't uh, foster antimicrobial resistance. So just kind of, you know, wondering how it's important in any size veterinary hospital and, and what are your thoughts? Yeah, antimicrobial stewardship is how we measure and improve how our antimicrobials are used both by our doctors and our patients. So we want to improve prescribing practices in order to not only protect our patients from side effects that can occur with unnecessary antibiotic use, but also prevent that antibiotic resistance that can occur. So as of June 2022, it had been noted in the last five years that only 12 antibiotics had received FDA approval and 10 of those had similar mechanisms of action to our currently approved drugs, which means it's easier for our antimicrobials, um, our bacteria to develop resistance against those antimicrobials. So bacteria and other microbes are developing resistance patterns much, much faster than we can develop medications. And that puts both our pets and us at risk. It's extremely important in any size veterinary hospital or clinic because the actions that our veterinarians take individually and as a profession as a whole, can help preserve the effectiveness and the availability of these currently approved medications. Hmm, very interesting. I also was just reading the AVMA news today, and I see the USDA funded antimicrobial resistance dashboard resistance at several veterinary schools, and U of I is one of them. 
So That's- I was curious, have you been involved with that at all? I was not able to be involved with this project, um, but I am the head of our ants microbial stewardship uh, committee here. And so we've been focused on a lot of small animal stuff, but we are headed towards large animal here next. I see. Just very interesting and, uh, you know, pertinent to our you know discussion today. It just popped up on my feed today. We'll be right back after this. Learn new skills and refresh your existing expertise by registering for the ISVMA's Wet Lab Weekend, Saturday and Sunday, September 9th and 10th. Wet Lab Weekend will be held at the University of Illinois College of Veterinary Medicine's Clinical Skills Learning Center's Surgery Suites in Urbana. Topics at the two-day event include ophthalmology, dentistry, and abdominal surgery. For veterinarians, Saturday's presenters include Dr. Heidi Phillips, who will be presenting a three-hour wet lab on small animal abdominal surgical procedures in the morning. In the afternoon, Dr. Todd Marlowe will provide interactive presentations with first-hand experiences regarding ophthalmological surgeries. Then on Sunday morning, Dr. Larry Baker will instruct a dental abnormalities session devoted to x-ray techniques and tooth extraction for veterinarians. For CVTs, Sunday afternoon's class will be on how to take clear dental radiographs and an overview of instrumentation basics in dental cleaning and anatomy by Dr. Baker. Register today by going to the ISVMA website at www.isvma.org. Click on ISVMA at the top of the screen's drop-down menu bar and then click on ISVMA event registration. There, you'll find the wet lab link to register for both DMVs and CVTs. Don't miss this opportunity. So like any profession, you know, the veterinary world reacts, changes, morphs its methods and procedures to, to changing environments, new medical, you know, developments, and in reaction to new guidelines or regulations that, you know, how it affects us in our practicing daily life, whatever that may be. Have any new stipulations been created recently affecting how we can establish such protocols at our clinics and hospitals? There have been um, some new things that have come out, and one has actually been talked about on this podcast before. Um, One of our more recent changes is guidance for industry, which is GFI 263. And that was introduced back in 2019 with a timeline for compliance of June of this year. The guidance focused on taking our over-the-counter antibiotics, which are usually found in feed stores for large animals and making them prescription products. So that means that anyone who treats large animal patients will be required to maintain a veterinary client-patient relationship, or VCPR, with their large animal patients, and they need that in order to prescribe any antimicrobials that might be needed. So that has led to the loss of some specific branded products that decided not to resubmit their applications. Mm -hmm. However, um, the stores that are currently carrying OTC products are able to continue selling those until their stock runs out. Um, So yeah, this doesn't have a profound effect on small animal clinics and hospitals, but it's important to be aware of. Uh, We also have another change that's enacted in November of this year, but that focuses more on standards of compounding and less on antimicrobial stewardship. So that compliance date for our newly published United States Pharmacopeia or USP chapters um, focuses on the prevention of antimicrobial growth in products and safe practices to prevent antimicrobial growth. 
So I do recommend reviewing those if you're involved in any compounding practices. And I am more than happy to answer any questions any veterinarians may have regarding compliance, as the chapters have dictated that they do extend to veterinary medicine and in turn veterinarians. I see. Well, thank you. That's that's really elucidating. And uh, I see also that you wrote an article for uh, the epitome in the spring edition about increasing animate creative stewardship. In the article, you outline the need for developing a mission and identifying leadership amongst clinic staff to serve as the resident expert or the go-to person. Can you talk about why it's important to identify a leader or point person on the staff? I'm just curious how that would uh, would look in a day-to-day practice. Yeah, a practice would want to identify a leader or a point person um, because they help guide the group to ensure that they're meeting their mission. And they also communicate the vision of the group to help motivate others to join and support them. So if there's not a leader to look to as an example, everyone's much more likely to assume that somebody else is going to take care of the problem or somebody else will follow up with a request. And that leads to nobody doing so. Um, And that identified leader will also be the most knowledgeable about the topic and can be relied upon to provide effective solutions when there are disagreements about what is or isn't appropriate. I see. And, you know, that's a very good point, because I know in my own practice, uh, it has been commonplace to prescribe metronidazole whenever uh, a dog comes in with diarrhea. And uh, as of, you know, recently, I will say like this year, uh, obviously, anytime you go to these conferences, I've been to the uh, North American or VMX. I just went to AVMA. We've been talking about this quite a bit. So I'm constantly saying, nope, let's just wait for our, you know, our cytology. Let's wait for our PECO PCR. Let's see what needs to be prescribed. So I guess I'm the uh, official leader in my own practice, but uh, not everybody's going to get to that bottle of metronidazole. And we have clients that ask for it. And, you know, we just have to basically form a, a policy and kind of stick to it, right? Yeah, and that's wonderful. There are tons of other options too, like propectolin and probiotics that can help with diarrhea. And so unless the patient is really in that state of need where they fit the evidence-based practice guidelines, uh, we don't want to prescribe metronidazole. Makes sense. We'll be right back after this. Registration is now open for the ISVMA's 141st Annual Convention. Sign up today for this three-day CE-packed event slated for November 3rd through the 5th, 2023 at the Tenley Park Convention Center in Tenley Park. Your ISVMA has booked 25 of the most knowledgeable presenters in the veterinary profession for this year's event, speaking on timely medical topics ranging from surgery procedures, animal oncology, parasites, large animal vaccine programs, and the biggest trends in veterinary medicine, to smart tax planning strategies for your practice, and learning how to train new hires easily and effectively. The latest methods for humane euthanasia practices, dealing with online social media bullies, and hearing inspirational messages of perseverance when times get tough and many more. Another reason to attend is the professional camaraderie with other veterinary professionals. DVMs, CVTs, hospital administrators, all in one place at one time. Register today by going to www.isvma.org. Click on ISVMA at the top of the screen's drop-down menu bar and then click ISVMA event registration. There you'll find the annual convention link to register. Don't delay. Get your reservation in today. Book your hotel room at the Even Hotel Chicago Tenley Park by using the code 
ISV to get the discounted convention rate. See you in Tenley Park in November. So what else can our hospitals do to incorporate antimicrobial stewardship? There are some really simple things that can be done, such as ensuring gloves are worn and switched out between each patient, uh, washing hands regularly, being cognizant of patients with bacterial and fungal infections so you're not creating fomites, and printing out the AVMA's patient handouts and having those available so clients are aware why they are or are not being prescribed antimicrobials. Some other things that require a little more effort and time can be developed by an antimicrobial stewardship group. And that would be like creating your own clinic handouts, creating a pocket guide for antimicrobial treatment based on those evidence-based guidelines and developing clinic or hospital-wide initiatives such as continuing education. Fantastic, those are great suggestions. So doctor, would you please give me some positive and negatives about you know implementing um, antimicrobial resistance measures? Of course. So there are both positives and negatives. And some of those positives are going to be that antimicrobial stewardship measures include decreased threats to human and animal health by these resistant organisms. We also have decreased prescribing of unnecessary antimicrobials and therefore more cost-effective healthcare and just better patient care overall. Our negatives can include a higher cost to the clinic or hospital on the front end, and that's to ensure that they're meeting our best practices. And we can also see some complaints from clients or patients who want an antibiotic, but per our guidelines don't fit the criteria for one. And I personally grew up in a time where everyone was prescribed azithromycin when they weren't feeling well, even if it wasn't needed. And now the rates of resistant bacteria for azithromycin have risen dramatically. So it's really scary to think about a world where we don't have treatment options for a bacteria that decades prior could be treated with penicillin. All makes sense. It just seems that if we can do a better job educating uh, ourselves, our staff, and our clients, that we will, we will all be better off in the long run. Yeah, we definitely will be. How do you like working at the uh, teaching hospital? I absolutely love working at the teaching hospital. There's always something new that comes in and uh, some problem that I have to think outside of the box in order to figure out. So it keeps me on my toes. Never two days the same, right? Never two days the same. I spend many, many, many days there. Thank you so much for joining us today on the Veterinary Today podcast. This was really fantastic information to share with our members. Our DVMs, our CVTs, and clinic administrators can all benefit from your findings words of wisdom and suggestions for antimicrobial stewardship. So thank you for being here. Thank you. Um, There are also a couple other places they can go to as well, such as the FDA's Antimicrobial Stewardship Resistance Information website and a website called NIAMRI, which is the National Institutes of Antimicrobial Resistance Research and Education. Wonderful. Thank you so much for those uh, suggestions and uh, We all will uh, do our job to uh, stop the antimicrobial resistance from progressing. Uh, Thank you, Drs. Carlson and Gokenauer, for sharing all this essential information for our listeners and how to make clinics and hospitals safer places for the people who work and and visit them, as well as the health of the animals and our members who treat and and care for them every day. Uh, This concludes this episode of Veterinary Today. I'm Joey McLaughlin. Thanks for joining us.